All right, episode four of the Ramble. And I have a really special guest today. I got a guy. Now, here's a guy who, if you go to the show, you're not going to be sitting around scrolling up on your Instagram feed or looking at uh, who's in the audience, if your ex-girlfriend's there or whatnot. You're going to be glued to what this guy is saying. He's a ball of energy. Ladies and gentlemen, Skylar Stone. Hey, Skylar, how are you? What about just like... Oh, hey, man, what's up? <laughs> You're like, this guy talks a mile a minute, full of energy, he doesn't even eat caffeine. I'm like, oh, hey, what's up, Murph? <laughs> yeah. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing well, man. I'm excited to have you on. What's with the late 90s uh, Goo Goo Dolls guitar in the background? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, my, my tech guy. Jonathan, he is, uh, he's got all these kind of fucking sounds and stuff for me. He, lo- he loves this one. I can't tell if I'm on your podcast or in the movie City of Angels with Nicolas Cage and Meg Ryan. Jonathan, I got to cut the theme song, buddy. I think I'm getting roasted. How to Lose Millennials by Skylar Stone. They have no idea what City of Angels is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, we hit that point like about, I think, I feel like it happened three years ago where like all of my references were the prime. They were in their prime. It's the stuff I grew up with. It's the stuff I know. And and, and the audience that was young, because I was young up up until about maybe like four years ago, you know, um, the references, like I would hit and they'd hit the crowd. And now I'm starting to feel like the guy. I'm not old, old, but like, you know, I'll just drop like, a, oh, yeah, that guy looks like Ned Beatty. And everyone's like, who the fuck's Ned Beatty? And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> so, so you're in the Gen X generation, right? I'm the final year you can be. I'm a young Gen Xer, which makes me kind of like an old millennial. Because I make like one more year and I'm an old oh, okay. millennial. You know? Like, even people always think millennials, because I was born in 79. Uh-huh. So a Gen Xer is 64 to 79. Ah. And then, like, so, like, there's these people born in 80 and 81 and 82. Like, my sister, my sister was born in 82. She's on paper a millennial. But she's full on a Gen Xer. Her references, her music, her what she's into, what, what her vibes like. She doesn't act like a millennial. She's not some like tech guru or social media queen. Like she's not like entitled. You know what I mean? Like she's nothing like the the millennial stuff. But it's funny, even though you can find like old millennials that are like Gen like like Gen Xers, you can also still find some fucking people that are like in my generation that literally are having like midlife crisis. Like they're Twitter obsessed. You know what I mean? Like their kids are fucking, their teeth are falling out, but they're, they got their Twitter game on lockdown. You know what I mean? Like fucking hilarious. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. So you're also, uh, you're not just a comedian. You're also an actor. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about that because you've been on a lot of sets. Uh, if you look at Skylar's IMDb's, he's been doing a lot of movies, a lot of uh, roles here. And uh, I've been seeing a lot of movie meltdowns lately. I think the latest one was Tom Cruise. He was freaking out. I think it was the latest Mission yeah, Impossible. Yeah, a couple months ago. Yeah, about masks and stuff. Yeah, he's freaking out about the breaking of the COVID protocol. What? What's your? Do you have any stories on any movie meltdowns or any kind of television meltdowns? Because uh, I got to say, I still think Christian Bale's meltdown was uh, a little gnarlier than Tom's. Christian's was gnarly because a he was going through a hard time in his life at that time, and that was kind of well documented. And that's also what they kind of used as like, hey, you know, Chris, you know, Christian's going to do better. 
you know, he, he's going through our, this, that, the other, like, um, you know, cause he'd also like, I guess, grabbed a telephone at a hotel and like beat it onto the, like onto the table or something after he was done with a phone call or something. So like, you know, he was, he was on a, a rampage there and, um, you know, that was also like, you know, that was a more actory thing. That was like a, Hey man, you're, you're crossing my shot. Although I'm not going to lie, dude, I have had a scene where I can't believe where a crew member decided they may have been out of the shot, but they were in my fucking eye line of like, and just staring at me while eating fucking, you know, cheese sticks. And you're just looking at them like, dude, like I got to cry right now. And you're like, you're making me hungry. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know that I've seen any that, that big, the Tom Cruise one I got, dude, I have more power to him. I don't think he said one rude thing. And honestly, like, if, if if Tom Cruise is put, I heard he put like two hundred fifty thousand dollars of his own money into like making it safe so that the studio would actually right. shoot it. And it's like, dude, when you're putting your own money into it and you're taking it as seriously as Tom's taking it, you got to take it seriously too, dude. You, you know, you got to match his fucking energy. And if people are you're walking around, because that's the thing, dude. Just in my neighborhood, I know one. There's a neighbor on one side of my house that like is like COVID obsessed and freaked out. And then I got another neighbor on the other side that's just like, you know, fuck this shit. You know what I mean? It's not real. Tom Hanks, the pedophile, QAnon all the way, you know? <laughs> so it's like, if that's how it is on my block, can you imagine how it is on a, a, a movie like Mission Impossible? That's that's a 200-person crew right there. There's going to be some yeah. fucking non-believers and some believers, and that's going to fucking create a really weird work environment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did it. You know, one male thought I saw was um, Louis Guzman on the set of waiting. Uh, waiting. Yeah. I was, I was a cook when I was uh, on the, uh, when I lived in the whale's vagina. So when, when I saw you're on waiting, uh, that, that gave me a nice laugh. Yeah. When I was, when I was on the set of that movie, we shot that down in uh, new Orleans. And when I was on the set of that movie, um, Louis Guzman was like a hero to everybody there because you, you know, everyone else is young. That's Ryan Reynolds at the top of his career. That's Anna Ferris after maybe like, four movies like that's you know that's a young uh, justin long that's a young dane cook a young i mean everybody was young you know uh emmanuel shriekery wasn't even on um entourage yet you know yeah. it was a young crowd uh, on that set except louis louis was the oldest cat on the set and it was, uh, that was david Techner when he was young too like david wasn't in much stuff either so louis guzman had worked with you know Steven Soderbergh and Paul Thomas Anderson, he was in Boogie Nights, he was in Traffic, like all these huge movies, Oscar winning movies. And so we all looked up to him. And then one day he threw a fucking diva ass fit in the bathroom. And the best part about it, dude, it wasn't even real. So he <laughs> threw a fit and we all like lost our shit. We, it's all caught on tape. The director and Louie had planned a meltdown because they wanted to see how we all react and we we're all pulling pranks on that set. And so then um, he pulled a huge fucking like diva fit, and the next thing you know, him and like the director were like, ah, oh, just kidding, man, we got you, prank you, and like we're all like we're literally all shitting our pants because he was screaming and saying, I know what's best. I've been in I've been in Paul Thomas Anderson movies, you know, <laughs> suck my dick. He was just freaking out, and it turns out he was just trying to fuck with us. So, so the, the biggest, fortunately for me, the biggest diva fit I've seen wasn't even real; it was just a prank. So. That's cool. He's also in character. There's a lot of pranks on that uh, in that movie. I mean, I mean the what was it called? The brain? Is it the brain where you showed the uh, genitals? Oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, the brain. Yeah, we didn't do that when I was a cook down in San Diego, aka the whale's vagina. But I wanted to uh, talk about my experience with movie meltdowns. I didn't. I never saw an actor do it, but I did see a director do it. I was on the set of uh, Valkyrie, which is that. 
Tom Cruise was speaking of Tom Cruise. It was that. Um, oh, I like that movie. Yeah, that war movie where um, we're supposed to be in Tunisia, and I was uh, I was this is when I was doing a lot of production stuff, stand in crap. I was one of the, I don't know, I don't remember the actor's name, but I'm sorry, but he, he played like a young lieutenant or something. So I was his stand in. So we were out there in the desert in, I want to say Ridgecrest area or something like that in um, this really hot, dusty part in uh, Los Angeles County, I want to say, or maybe in Kern County, maybe right outside of it, it's about two and a half hours. So the director is actually inside of a van and he is... Um, an air conditioned van because it's freaking hot and he's got video village inside the van something goes out like some sort of some sort of communication or video feed or something comes out he gets out of the van and it's um shoot what's what's the guy's name who does all the x-men movies crap <laughs> oh my hugh jackman no 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 the director the director Brian Singer. Oh, uh, Brian Singer. Yeah, <laughs> I, I spaced there. Anyway, so Brian Singer is the director of this movie, and he comes out of the van, and he throws the walkie on the floor or on the ground and kicks it, and he's like, why doesn't anything you know, work on this set? Like, what's going on? Like, you people need to get a grip. Everyone, get a grip. And then, or I don't know, I don't, word for word, probably not that accurate, but it was somewhere along the lines of that. But he calls out everyone, everybody, every single person. And then uh, we're all kind of like, oh, crap, the director's pissed. He slams the door of the, um, the van and, it, and there's a silence until Tom Cruise walks up into the middle of the crowd that is, had gathered. And he starts just busting up laughing. So we all start laughing. You know, we're like, oh, well, if Tom Cruise is laughing, we're all going to laugh. So we're like, whatever, you know. So that was that was my little movie meltdown. But the, the best part of that day actually was on Tom Cruise's way to set. He purposely parked his like trailer super far away from where we were shooting. So he could take his motorcycle. Uh, it was like a Husqvarna all the way like full throttle all the way onto the desert floor to set. And his hair was like blowing. His clothes were blowing. There was a big like cloud of dust behind him. And so the uh, second assistant director on the set took the, the God mic, which is the uh, mic that everyone uses to make announcements over the PA system. And he had his phone with him and he, uh, he played like one of those like highway to the danger zone songs or whatever from like top gun. Oh, right, right. <laughs> And it was like the fucking funniest shit we've ever seen. Everyone's dying. And he, and he like pulls up and the, you know, by this time the music's cut off and he's like, why is everybody fucking laughing? <laughs> What's going on? And uh, we were just like, man, that was, that was like one of the best scenes That's fucking amazing. that uh, we should have recorded. Yeah. But back to Brian Singer, he's a director that's, that's kind of been in, in a lot of hot water, but it seems like he doesn't, he doesn't go away. He's just kind of like, oh, you guys are uh, homophobic. Uh, go fuck yourself. And so he never, he never gets canceled or any of that stuff. And um, I noticed like there's a lot of things going on lately with people getting in, uh, in, into hot water and then, you know, losing their jobs and this and that. And uh, I wanted to talk about specifically uh, the character from The Mandalorian. Um, what were your thoughts on Gina Carano? I don't know if you, have you seen the Mandalorian? Yeah, I've seen the Mandalorian, but not all of it. I watched, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, seven episodes of season one. So, you know, I don't really, I, I couldn't tell you who was who, but I mean, I, I did see that whole thing. I mean, I didn't see it in real time go down because I don't even know who she is. Like I don't follow her. I don't pay attention to her. 
but I saw the news go down in real time. Like, uh, and then, um, right. You know, I mean, look, any company has any right, you know, to, uh, uh, to, to absolutely say, uh, that's not good for my audience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not a free speech thing to, you know, uh, here's the thing. I'm a huge free speech guy and I've said a lot of things on social media that can get me in trouble and probably will one day, you know what I mean? I'll get some cool gig and I'll have to apologize for something or take down something. And that's fine because look, you know, the Twitter came out when I wasn't sober. Right. Twitter came out when I was really out there drinking hard and doing drugs all night. So I would not be surprised if there's something that does not like line up with who I am today, you know, that I said back then. And the thing is, is like, let's just say I was, I don't know, let's say ESPN wanted like a comedy commentator. And I'm I'm, now I'm working for ESPN, which is owned by hello Disney. (laughs) You know, it's like, if they come out and say, well, we hired Skylar for his edginess. That's what we wanted. Yeah. That's what ESPN hired me for. But Disney writes the fucking check. So Disney might be like, Hey man, that's one of our fucking, you know, that's one of our companies and we can't have that in the portfolio. Like he either publicly apologizes or he doesn't. And that's the only thing that's up to you. There's your yeah. freedom. You are allowed to go. Nope. No apology. You're allowed to do that. That That's your freedom of speech right there. I stand by what I said and I'm not going to prison for this. Yeah. You're not going to prison and no one is saying you're going to prison, but you might lose your job. <laughs> you know, like that might be gone and that's their right. I need that. Right. You know, I need that. Right. If, if I got eight comics on a comedy rock show, you know, at the store yeah. and let's say I'm doing a benefit, you know, and it's a benefit, um, for, let's just say rape victim, rape, rape victims. All right. So now I'm doing a benefit. And then all of a sudden, like one of the people that's on the lineup, you know, either like, um, is being accused of something in that world of sexual assault or rape, you know, or, or, or even just like, you know, j- joked about it really poorly several times online. And, and someone brings it to my attention, I need the right to go, Hey man, these people like rented out the room for the night. And like, I, I'm kind of working for them tonight. Like you, I'll book you for some other one. If, if you're clear to these charges or it, you know, or if you want to take down these tweets, but like you, you got to go. You know, and I have to have that right to be able to say, you can't perform that night because this is a special night. And this, my audience will be, will care about that with the way that Disney can go. Hey dude, like, you know, you might not want to, I mean, I, here's what I don't understand. Why ever touch the Holocaust? <laughs> like, why? Like, like, no one yet has. You know what? I'll tell you who has successfully touched the Holocaust in a joke okay. matter. Jews. Right, right, right. Yeah, Jews. yeah. Makes sense. Jews. It would make sense. Let me say it for anyone listening. Yeah. Jews. So when you say, like, oh, I swear I've heard people make jokes and get away with it. Yes, you have. Mel Brooks, Sarah Silverman. You know what I mean? Like, that's who you heard do it. You know, Jeff Ross, right. you know, like that's the people that did it. Like you can't fucking be, you know, Christopher Titus, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes come out and like, you know, fucking, uh, it's just, it's so funny to watch people just not get that simple equation. Yeah. I, you know, I you know? support the whole idea of free speech, obviously, but it's a head scratcher for me because it's like, okay, so Disney, you know, massive corporation, they got like a diversity and inclusion department now. You know, they've even rethemed a ride. I think they rethemed Splash Mountain. I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland, but it used to be something uh, based on the Song of the South, which I never even knew what that was about. But uh, that I guess it's uh, it, it had some racist undertones or something back in the day. So they changed it all out. And um, so I'm thinking, you know, if you know this, 
and you know this information and you're Gina Carano and you're putting out all these uh, crazy like uh, QAnon and, and, and things about the Holocaust and like, you know what I mean? And like stuff about uh, the transgender people. I mean, it's kind of a head scratcher for me. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, there's just a, uh, we're, we're in this, uh, we're in this area where I even watch people once they get something taken down or the name changed and they just, I got to tell you, man, I ain't, I ain't Miss Cleo. I can't, I can't see the future and I, and I, and I can't be inside someone's brain. So I guess I don't know exactly how they really are thinking or feeling. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, I can go off my instincts and I can make educated guesses and that's what we're supposed to do. And when I see like these, like these, um, someone do a big takedown or like a big article on someone or, or when I see uh, them, them uh, uh, start a hashtag or a campaign to end something, take something down, rename something. When I see that person after they get what they wanted and they give their like, sort of like I did it speech. I never, ever, ever, maybe 4% of the time I've felt like they're really happy about what they did. The other 96% of the time, I just get this hunch, this educated guess, if you will, that they just like, it's like, it's like when I go downstairs in the morning and I yell at one of my kids about something and then I realize, oh my God, I didn't even yell at them about that. I yelled at them about something else. That's what it feels, it feels mm-hmm. like. Like it's, there's something else going on in their life and they needed something to focus on. Hey, great example. Murph, okay. One time we, the house that I live in right now, it's the only house I've ever owned. And I, I when I bought it five, six years ago, I, um, uh, we needed to get, we need to repaint it. My wife was on bed rest with the twins and in, in, in the hospital. It's a nasty pregnancy. Boys almost didn't make it, but they're fine. They're here. But uh, it was a really hard time in my life. And so I'm newly sober at the time. I'm, I'm really angry about um, a, a legal matter that was happening with mm-hmm. her, her ex-husband. I'm really mad about um, God maybe not giving me my twins, you know, because one had a 40% chance of being born, one had a 60% chance. They beat the odds, but still, at the time, I didn't know they were going to. So I, I, I'm in a rehab. I, I, my roommate is Andy Dick, and I'm not even kidding. He's my roommate in rehab. Right. And so, like, that's my life, right? I got, a, I got a pregnant wife on bed rest in the hospital. You know, it, my life's falling apart. I'm barely making any money because I can't work. I'm in rehab, but yet I'm buying a home and yet my wife's delivering two babies soon. So like, it was fucking crazy. I hired this painter and I got to find him because I, I, I definitely owe him an amends. I remember just being such a motherfucker about the smallest, stupid, like if he just got a drop of paint in the wrong. So, I mean, I wasn't understanding. I was over the top. I was ruthless. I was relentless. But it wasn't about the paint. That's all I could control. So now when I watch these people and I see them not look as happy as they probably thought they would be when they get the, the, the little ride change at Disneyland that was offending them from so it's always some fucking chick that lives in San Francisco. Like and she admits she's never mm. even been there, right? But she's just fucking angry about it that she knows now that it was based on a song that was written by a guy that maybe was neighbors with a racist. Like it's just always some crazy story where you're like, hey, let's just get over this. So like, sometimes I just don't think these things are really about what they say they're about. That's my opinion. Yeah. So you were banned, um, recently actually from Facebook. Uh, what, what was that? Because normally I have a lot of conservative friends. I grew up in a part of San Diego where, uh, it might've as well been freaking Oklahoma. Uh, so I kind of grew up 
with these people and um, they're always complaining about being silenced because of their conservative voices and, and this and that. But uh, you were banned for, you were making fun of a, uh, of a Republican and you got banned, right? Um, I was, um, I did. Yeah. Well, I, I think I went alone. I'm not going to lie. In this case, Facebook does need the right to take some, something like this down because they just can't, you know, it's, it's, it, it, they can't read sarcasm you know, that's something that you got to have nuance for. So black and white, right? you know, I wrote, I could have chose different words, but it was the day that, um, I know a lot of people struggling, man. I know a lot of people that like, you know, could use these rumored like 2000 a month payments instead of just like these one time 600 and these one time, like, I mean, these one time payments and the amounts that they are, yeah. I, I mean, who are they? Who Like, it's like, Hey man, some of these payments would have been nice at week two and week five. Like, so like five weeks in you, you had maybe a thousand dollar payment and then a 600, like, yeah, like five weeks in, maybe that, that'd be nice. But fucking 10 months in the idea that like some people have just got like, you know, 1200 bucks total or 1500 or whatever it is. Like what, like who, what's he even yeah. think that in a big city, who the hell is that even helping? You know? And so <laughs> I got, <laughs> yeah. they said it was going to be a $2,000 payment in January that ended up being 600. And so right. I just said, uh, would somebody please slit Mitch McConnell's throat and see what's inside of it or something like that? Because, you know, he's got that weird fucking throat pouch. Well, yeah, that pouch. Like, I just like, so yeah. anything, I'm like, it was, it was a curiosity statement. Like, what's in that thing anyway, you know? Um, but uh, it's frog like it's it's crazy. But, for, for, you know, fucking Facebook took it pretty personally and said, uh, yeah, you can't physically um, conspire to. Um, physically harm <laughs> a U.S. senator, which I get. You know what I mean? I get. There's other ones that I've been banned for that I don't understand, but that one, like, looking back, like, yeah, I guess I could have been mad at Mitch McConnell without talking about, <laughs> right. you know, opening his airway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, the guy seems to be, um, it, in some fucked up way, like, controlling like pulling the fucking strings of America for, I don't know how long now he, he's been either the Senate majority or minority leader for, I don't know how many years, but it seems like all of freaking policy has to go through this man. And it's like, dude, this guy, all he wants to do is just shovel money to the corporations and put in conservative judges. He doesn't give a fuck about anyone else. Like he doesn't care, but yet they keep reelecting him there. So he's not going anywhere. So I saw that you brought back Comedy Rocks, which uh, I thought that was really cool. I think uh, I, I went to one of your shows, one of your Comedy Rocks shows at the Laugh Factory. It was a fucking blast. But uh, that wasn't the first time I saw you, actually. The first time I saw you was uh, at the Improv on Melrose. And um, I can't remember who exactly was was uh, producing the show or hosting the show or whatnot, but I remember you went on last. You were you were you had like a St. Louis Cardinals like jersey on or something like that, and uh, you had a ball of energy. And I'm like, ah, that guy's funny. But um, I think I was there. I, I I now I'm starting to remember. I think I was there with. Um, I think it was Owen Benjamin. Do you remember Owen Benjamin? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Owen Benjamin. I I was doing a lot of standing work uh, back then, and and I was. Uh, I was on a sketch show, which, which I really, really loved. I really loved working on it. And, um, 
it was it was with Nick Swartz. I was I was Nick Swartz and standing it, and Owen would always come on and guest star, and we, and we kind of uh, we were talking and stuff. And I think I think he was the one. Now that I think about it, that he was like, "Hey, come down to the show, and I'll I'll be on." And I think I I came to see him really, and um, I'm glad that you didn't become a cult leader like uh, like Owen. He uh, he started a right wing cult up in uh, the Pacific Northwest. So it's a strange glad- thing, you know. Owen is um, <laughs> like I feel like there's just two. I feel like I feel like there's just two paths that he took, and I met him on the first path. Um, he would say I'm full of shit for saying it this way, but he has to understand that like you know a lot of what he says is. It's just not what I line up with. Um, you know, it's funny. He'll start with a good point and then he'll go too far. Like, uh, I'm accepting of, um, uh, as I should be, not this is something to brag about, but I'm accepting of the um, 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 gay community and I have no issues with anybody that's bi or trans. Um, I, I think 72 pronouns is a bit over the top. I think it's starting to, uh, get a little out of control, uh, but it's not really my place. And I don't, you know, I don't think about it enough to, to want to go like, say, Hey, you should maybe change this. I guess, you know, it'd be kind of like the person trying to change the name at Disneyland. Like, why do you even care? So it's like, you know, I, I, I let, I let, I let it be. Um, but um, his overall point that he was trying to make was that he heard that there was a five-year-old that was being given um, again. I, I'm not educated enough to know what you give these Give give people, but I think it was hormones. Yeah, hormones or hormone blockers. One of the two. I don't remember if it was a guy, oh, or yeah. a girl, or a girl. I don't know. I don't right. remember which hormone way. Blockers. Yeah. I don't remember which way it was, but like, I guess either one. It doesn't matter. Owen's point was, hey, um, I I hear you that a kid maybe came home and you know uh, heard about a concept and you know and uh, or actually you know his point was, I get it that you think your kid uh, had this or this thought organically and it came straight from within them and and this is how they feel and it's what they are. But it's also, there is a chance an outside influence took place where they heard about it or felt pressured about it or wondered if people would like them more if, you know, and maybe they're just kind of trying, trying it on for size. And, and the reason we should maybe treat it that way is because, you know, hey, maybe five's a little young to make such a big decision. So, you know, uh, be open to it with your child and talk to them about it. But very well, in a year and a half, they may come home and go, I don't know why I ever said that to you. I think I just was... There was this kid at school that seemed so cool, and I wanted to be like them, but that's not who I am. Well, good, because we were – that's so awesome. Me and Mom, we were going to inject you with this, this crazy thing and, and make you go in that direction. So we're glad we waited. Like, that was Owen's point was, like, I'm not saying whether I accept the trans community or not. He's like, I'm just saying let's not let kids sexualize themselves at such a young age and make large, lifelong decisions with repercussions. And so yeah. Yeah. he would have stopped there. If only, if only though. (laughs) Then it's just like, you know, you can't deny his opinion. If he stops there, it's still polite. It's still accepting. It's just saying like, slow down. Right. Owen's got it. Then he called the parents. He goes, look at these fucking parents publicly. He said like, you know, uh, sexualizing their child, you know, um, his, his parents are pedophiles. And I'm like, okay, Owen, listen, like it, it, I may not agree with them giving a kid something like that that young, but let, like let, we know what that word means. Like he's like, no, but if you sexualize a child, you're pe- you're a pedophile. It's like mm, we all know, pedophile means like go hook up with a child. So let's not let's not say just and also they're not let's not call it sexualizing. Let's say 
they're they're confused and they're trying to help their kids because and they've heard that if you don't you know aren't accepting that it can lead to lifelong problems of kids that like you know felt like they were never comfortable to come out and be who they are like they're not it's not coming from a bad place the decision they're making whether or not it's the right one or not it's coming from a good place they don't call him a fucking pedophile. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, dude. <laughs> he, that's where Owen goes too far. That's where he goes too far. He has he has concepts sometimes, not all. No one misquote me out there. I'm not saying like every idea he comes up with starts at a good place. He's got a couple ideas where I'm like, bro, you and I just we're just gonna have to agree to disagree on that. You know, he's got some race things he said that I don't agree. He's got a lot of things he said that I don't agree with, but I'll never forget the kind of friend Owen was to me when he was out here. Um, we had some really good times. We hung yeah, out. That's, that's the same thing with me. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's weird to see him go down that path because he was such a good guy and it felt like he kind of just went off the deep end. And in a way it's kind of smart to have like a, uh, your own little, like, you know, business, if you're going to move away and, and have people send you money through like, different channels and Patreon, YouTube, whatever. But, um, you know, some of the stuff is spouting, man, my God, that is like some crazy out there stuff. And like, people are like, I'm assuming they're Trump supporters. <laughs> I mean, they're just like eating it up. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here you go. Here's some 20 bucks, 30 bucks here. I'm like, Whoa. It's just, you know, we get into this, this place where at a certain age, people, uh, I'm learning. And it's about, well, for my generation, it feels like mid to late 30s. Everybody just kind of starts settling into a little bit different of a person than you met, you know, in your 20s. I mean, and you can't help but do that. Like, some of it's healthy because, you know, I, there, I mean, I was, I was wild and terrible in my 20s. And now I really leveled out. And I know I'm a better person. I have no problem even saying that about myself, you know. And, and, and that's not to say Owen's the opposite. I'm not trying to say Owen is, is a tale where he now isn't good. I'm not saying that at all. Um, he's, uh, I know he's a great father, and, um, and I know he's very committed to his wife, Amy, and, and a good husband. Um, we just differ, but we, we stay in touch. We don't, we, it, we've never stopped joking around. Like, I'll oh, that's text good. him. You know, it, it's not like I text him and say, you know, hey man, say some crazy shit to me. That's gonna piss me off. No, I text him a picture of my kid, and then he sends me a picture of his kid. Oh, that's great. And then I tell him, say, hey, you remember that time that like you and I did Seattle together? And he's like, oh my god, dude, we were so drunk, and then we played pool, and you know, we we just talk about old times and stuff. Like sometimes stuff will make its way in. He'll, I can tell he's trying out some of his new material on me, and like it's 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 stuff that he's trying to get a jab out of me. And if it's something that's super offensive, maybe I'll be like, you know, all right, whatever, Owen. You know, um. But at the same time, you know, sometimes I just don't even respond. If he goes in a certain direction, I'm just like, I got nothing on that. You know, I got nothing on that. I, want. I, got I, just, nothing. I don't. I got, I got nothing. You know, I can't control him, and nor do I want to. Um, right. But uh, I will say that I do miss my drinking days with Owen Benjamin. He was one of the most fun people you could ever throw some pictures down with. He, that guy, oh, my God, he was he was a uh, he's a big bear, dude. Yeah. He calls himself the bear. He's yeah. a big burly bear, you know. Yeah, yeah. The, he uh, his followers are called bears or something like that too. Speaking of speaking of the drinking days and speaking of the, all the all the crazy uh, drug and alcohol fueled nights. So you're now a sober guy, right? Oh yeah, very much so. But you have this interesting story, right? Where where you decided to go down to Mexico to get treatment. And take some, was it ayahuasca? Yeah, I, I, I love the, um, 
I, I like your pronunciation. <laughs> You're like, ayahuasca. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a, a true Latino there. Ayahuasca. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, uh, I, di- I did three uh, plant medicines. Um, I did ibogaine, which mm. is a gnarly, gnarly, insane, like, it is such a messed up experience that you go through that ends up being very necessary, even though you can't possibly really understand why as it's happening. Um, you shake, you, Ooh. you, you can't stand up. You have to be carried to the bathroom. You, you don't stop shaking. It's like you have Parkinson's and I'm not even kidding. You, um, uh, you throw up or dry heave in my case. Uh, you see very terrible images. Uh, anything that's ever happened bad in your past, is probably going to come up on it. Oh my. Uh, it's crazy. It's a, it's a male spirit. They say, um, as the story goes, it's from a plant called Iboga, um, which is a plant from Africa and the African tribes have been taking this as a rite of passage, uh, for young males when they turn, I mean, I, I don't remember the age, but like sort of early teenage, uh, and they go through it and it's done with shamans and a big circle. And it's a big, uh, uh, you know, ceremony and then celebration. And uh, it's, it's kind of what they give people to become a man over there. And um, it's something that's found its way into the States. Um, there was a junkie in the sixties whose name I'm forgetting right now, but he uh, figured out that Ibogaine was a great thing to take to get through the withdrawal of heroin. Now I've, I never had a heroin problem. I never even did it, but um, I did have a pill problem and pills, you know, a lot of them are considered to be synthetic heroin. Sure. So, uh, getting off opiates, it's, uh, I, I, for anybody out there, uh, and please, anybody that hears this, if you have a drug or alcohol problem, I have helped well over a hundred people get sober. So I write anybody back about sobriety. I don't ever, that's not something I forget to do. So even if you're listening going, ah, he's probably just some actor, you know, he has a little bit of a name for himself and he's just saying this to posture or, Virtue signal or seem like a good person, bullshit. Hit me up. Uh, I get a lot of people sober, and this is one way to do it. Uh, so if you're gonna, if one of your problems out there is you have a problem with pills, and every time you stop, you go through the worst uh, withdrawals ever. Hey, yeah, join the club. We all did, and it's very hard to quit. So this is a way out, uh, and the way out is to go down to Mexico. A guy named Tom Leonard runs an incredible clinic. Uh, he's a personal friend of mine now. I talk to him all the time. You know, every week. Um, and, uh, he runs the place and he has a great program. You do Ibogaine and that's one night, you know, uh, that, that trip, uh, even though I didn't really make it sound like fun, it's not right. while well, it happened, but holy shit, did it get me sober? It, you conquer your demons. You, 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 you go through, you find the things that you're scared of in your brain, the things that make the pit of your stomach feel funny. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're nervous. It, it, like when, when a car stops real quick and we don't realize that like when we were really little, like your dad, like did something really dumb on the road and you saw it and you knew as your dad, you were old enough to know that your dad made a bad move and your dad scared you and you felt unprotected by your dad, even though he's there to protect you. And you've been holding on to that. And so when the car, you know, it, it, your whole life, you've been wondering why am I like, like so everyone's scared of a car breaking quickly, but why am I like extra afraid? Like what, how can I scream when everyone else just kind of braces? Like, well, if your dad did that to you, like you're going to see that on either and you're going to re see that car accident or, or that near miss or whatever. And it, it, your brain is going to repair the part of the brain that has been damaged by that memory forever while you see it again. Wow. 
because you're going to conquer it and see it and go, I'm not afraid of this anymore. And then when, you, when, when, when your friend is driving you to a concert downtown at Staples and he hits the brakes quick, yeah, you brace and it's a little scary, but it's not as scary as it used to be because you conquered that thing that happened in your youth that made it way bigger and more technicolor than everybody else's experience. And, you know, I have my own versions of that. You know, plenty of things happened to me on that um, trip. But, like, you know, you stay up all night on it and then you crash. You sleep. And then they take care of you for several days and you do kundalini and you do uh, yoga and you do qigong and you do group therapy and individual therapy and family constellation therapy and you work out and you eat well and you cut out sugar. Nice. And you go on the beach and you pet dogs and you do all this shit and then you go do ayahuasca. Whew. And I did ayahuasca for um, six nights, uh, two, two sets of three uh, a week apart. And um, ayahuasca is a beautiful experience. That's more of a, that's a female spirit, they say. Mm. So that's, you know, the, the Ibogaine gives you that tough, that tough, tough father love. But like, you know, um, this is like a, the, the female spirit. And we all know the motherly love is a little different than the, the fatherly love. And so she kind of cradles you, shows you more pleasant experiences and um, um, gets rid of bad things out of you. I mean, you shit a lot, you puke a lot, and you get stuff out of your body. And then um, the last thing I did was DMT. And, you know, a lot of people have heard of DMT because, you know, Joe Rogan talks about it a lot. Sure. But the, the stuff that Joe Rogan does is um, a little different. He does um, the synthetic stuff. Ah. Um, he does the stuff that's created. Um, I took the stuff that's straight out of the, um, straight out of the, the, the toad. There's a toad um, in the Sonoran Desert, and uh, it's got these little nodules on its back. And these people go down there, and they squirt the poison out of its back. It's not poisonous to humans. It's not even really poisonous per se like people don't no animal that that tries to attack it dies from this stuff they just take a bite when they squirt it into the animal that animal falls over and goes on a big fucking trip <laughs> while that fucking frog hops away you know yeah so uh, that stuff it, it, that's only about 15 minutes long but that thing is like ibogaine and ayahuasca and ecstasy and cocaine and weed and I'll, it's like everything all at once and like with a shot of just God visiting you and tapping you on the shoulder and saying, I exist and you're not alone and just keep living a good life and you're going to see me. I mean, it's a, it is an experience, dude. And it worked. I mean, you changed your ways. And um, I used to like joke around about these things, like had a joke in my web series, a uh, guy who farted in the elevator. He goes to a colonic clinic and the guy gives him a spiritual colonic and uh, it turns out to be an ayahuasca infused colonic. And, uh, he trips out and you know, the critics hated it. But uh, anyway, so I don't know. I, for me, I, I've done uh, mushrooms. I've never done uh, ayahuasca or anything stronger than that. But I remember having one trip in particular where it wasn't just like, oh, just a release and, you know, great colors and, and, you know, connecting with nature and all that kind of jazz. It was more like myself confronting myself in a strange way way it was it was uh it was almost like like some sort of out of, out of body experience where like an older <laughs> an older like version of myself like came out of me and basically looked at me and was like hey what are you doing what the fuck are you doing hey and uh you know you need to you, you need to get your shit together <laughs> you need to stop acting like this that's funny. It was like it was it was, it was fucking weird, but, uh, it, it really like made me kind of like do some like self analysis. And I was like, wait, wait, maybe I should. 
you know, change my ways. Like maybe I am affecting, you know, some of these relationships with people and, and all this stuff. You like, are. I was like, all of us are. even though I'm sitting here telling you how much better I am, I'm affecting someone right now. Someone fucking hates me right now. Someone is saying to someone else right now, God, kind of drives me nuts. Someone is saying, I don't believe in Skylar's change. Someone is saying like, it, we, we can, oh, it's like, oh, what I don't get about people is when they're ever shot. Like I heard someone say like, you know, um, oh, that was De Niro's acting coach. Um, and they're like, oh, back in the day? And they're like, no, like, he, his acting coach that he brings on sets. And they're like, why would Dinero have an acting coach? It's like, because he can always do better. Everybody can. Right. You know, like, it, in De Niro, I mean, these people, do, these, these A-list actors, they do still get acting coaches. And they do still get acting coaches. They have people that are constantly pushing them to the next level and saying, hey, man, you could do it that way or you could do it this way. And it's, it's just, it, you're, 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 you're relying on your old tricks. Why don't you get out of your comfort zone? You know, and that's the way to do it. You know, you got, you got to keep pushing yourself. And I'm, I'm glad that you got to do an experience like that. Yeah. It was eye opening, man. It was, it was, it was definitely one of those times where I was like, Oh, okay. You know, maybe I should, you know, treat people better. Maybe, I, maybe I should, you know, treat myself better for fuck's sake. I mean, I was, I was, I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. I was doing other drugs. I was, uh, I was, I was heavy into, heavy into drinking, uh, not so much into pills, but it, it was, uh, I've, I've toned down so much. And then of course, a lot of it also is maturity and, and things like that. But, but definitely that experience was like, whoa, that was, that was like one of those things where I can't, I can't knock it as, uh, some sort of way to kind of help people. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think it's, uh, Denver, or uh, there, there's a couple of places in the U.S. now that have um, legalized it medically or something like that. So people can administer these little trips and people can now like uh, do that little self-realization or whatever and um, and help their mental uh, health wellness. Or I am like. all for people even saying they want to go do that, even if they're not a hardcore. Like there might be someone listening right now that's like, you know, ah. I don't really have a drug or alcohol problem. I, 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 you know, I use drugs maybe four times a year on New Year's Eve or at a birthday party or Coachella. And I drink maybe, you know, twice a month where I get drunk. Like that, that's not an alcoholic. That's not an addict, you know, but they might be like, but you know what? I just, I just don't have good relationships. I'm really bad to my lovers. I, I, I fall out with everybody. No landlord has ever enjoyed my phone call or my company and can't wait to get rid of me. Like, you could still be driving people insane, whether you're an addict or not, and these things will still help you. You can go down to Mexico and just go, I don't have a drug problem. I got a brain problem. Help me out. You know what I mean? And you can still get that pick me up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So uh, recently you did, um, I just go back to um, the Comedy Rocks, Circle Back. Um, you, you went and you produced the show. And during the pandemic, and I know a, a lot of people that I've been talking to on this podcast are comedians or, or they're in like sketch comedy or something, something where there's, there's always this live aspect of their craft. And so I, um, I wanted to talk to you. How did it go? First of all, I know you had Sarah Silverman, who's, a, who's one of my favorites there. Yep. Andrew Santino was there. We had, um, Silverman, Santino, um, uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm forgetting someone. Big. Oh, we were supposed to have Andy Dick, but Andy was too drunk, so we didn't let him come. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he needs some ayahuasca. That's what he needs. Yes, he does. 
uh, I tried to get him to go do that. And, you know, Andy likes to do the wrong trip, you know, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Andy was supposed to be there, was not there. But we pulled it off safely. You know, we had Santino. We had uh, Sarah Silverman. Um, oh, Michael Rappaport. Oh, Rappaport. Uh, I loved his Instagram Trump rants. And um, Rory Albanese. Um, he ran the Daily Show for several years. Um, oh, with nice. John Nice. So, you know, we had a we had a good lineup and uh people are ready to come out. They just are. And you know, we're doing it safely. So Comedy Rock yeah. now has mostly been existing at a place called Jam in the Van. It's a recording studio that's over on the west side of LA, um, near like the four oh five in Pico. And uh it's got a backyard area, so it's outdoors. We do temperature checks at the door. Uh, all the seats are socially distanced. Uh, and then also you can only buy tickets in packs of two or four. That way there's no solo tickets. Cause you know, a surprising amount of people, um, go to comedy shows alone. Like, it, it, uh, you know, we, we can sell a hundred, 350 tickets at uh, the comedy store main room on any given night. And I, I'm not even kidding when I say like 40 of those will be solo tickets, you know, for, because people just like, like someone might be new to town. Someone might be on business and just want to go out and like, they're not in LA ever. Or it's their first time in LA. Like, People, you know, comedy shows are illustrious enough and they're, they're inviting enough that it makes people go, I don't really care that I'm going to sit by myself. I want to go to this show, and, and that, and, which is cool. And then Nikki Glazer really pushes it. She always talks about, like, you know, hey, if you want to go to a comedy show out there and you think you can't go alone, you're wrong, um, come alone and tell me after the show you came alone. And, like, she kind of started this whole, like, it seems like this, uh, this movement. Uh, and, and lots of people have now come out. The comedy shows alone after Nikki Glazer really publicly like supported it. And, um, yeah, we can't have that at this show. Uh, So this show, what we do is, um, we, uh, we sell tickets in pods of two or four. Uh, so that way there aren't any strangers sitting with each other. Cause you know, if we did that, we we can't guarantee that, you know, someone has been um, up to their best behavior, you know, with COVID and stuff and it's being safe. Like, because you don't know that person, but at least if we sell them in two and four, you know, you're bringing everybody with you. You're probably only going to invite people that you trust. So it just creates a safer environment for the comics, for the people, for the staff. And um, so socially distanced, temperature checks, um, positive two and four, um, separate mics for each comic, separate, wow. separate green rooms for each comic. And, um, you know, we don't fuck around. Masks have to be worn at all times unless you're taking a drink. And we, we fucking go for it. We really do it safe. And, we have not had one fucking issue. Not one. Wow. Like, no problems. See, people who have doubted the the smart people, smart comics here in Los Angeles, who the people were like, fuck this. I'm moving to Austin. Well, guess what? Now Austin is freezing. You can't even go out anyway. There's no fucking power. So you know what? It's possible. And Skylar's doing it up. We're doing it right, baby. <laughs> so uh, I saw you were doing a lot of hiking lately. Do you uh, ever envision yourself returning to the gym? Because um, I'm starting to think, I mean, I kind of miss the gym, but I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm still kind of on the fence. I mean, I'll, I'll return when it's, when it's right. You know, um, I don't think it is yet. Uh, my wife's even doing an outdoor gym right now. And I'm like, oh, babe. You're crazy. Like I, 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 you know, cause I don't want to be around people breathing that heavily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, wet flying everywhere, you know, fucking particles flying out of the mouth, you know? Yeah. I, so, I tried to hike 
in, in a mask out in uh, in Zion, and it was it was really it was really hard. I had to take it off. I mean, it's like you're you're pretty much socially distanced, you know. So it, it I imagine working out with a mask on outside when it's hot. There's a bunch of people around. I don't know. It, it, it to me, I'm not sure. It doesn't appeal to me as much. Yeah, it's, it's not for me yet. But I know one day I'll. I'll I mean, I miss it. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, and then so now the the question that I think is on uh, every parent's mind. Uh, I don't have kids, at least not that I know of. But if I was a parent, I definitely want to get my kid a PS Five. So, did you ever score your sons and daughters and kids a PS Five? Yeah, I actually ended up with two. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, I I pushed so hard that like. Two came through the same day. I'm trying to remember what what that why it happened that I had to get. Well, oh, I know what you know what it was. I know what it was. A dude texted me said, "Hey man, on the slide, I have one. It's Ooh. just a mount, and he only wanted to sell me one. You know, I think it was like 200 above ah, asking price, which is good. And I'm scalper. like, I can do that. Yeah. And so then I um, I said, yeah, he goes, but um, I won't have it till tomorrow. So, but when I have it tomorrow, we'll just meet up later on and we'll do it. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. And so I thought he was going to, you know, I thought he was going to have it. And I planned on him having it. But there was a side of me just thinking like, man, am I just going to give up my search at the at the peak of searching? You know, because this guy's claiming how I want tomorrow. Like a thousand things could happen from now until tomorrow, you know. Um, and I might not get that thing. Right. And so... Um, I just kept like doing all the on sales the rest of the day. Like I'd go on Walmart's on sale and uh, some place called BJ's on sale. And then finally um, a Best Buy one came that day at the end of the day. And I just, I go, I'll, I'll fucking try and see if I can hit. And then I, I hit, I got it, you know, at, for cost. And then right after I got it, uh, the guy had texted me and said, all right, man, he goes, just don't forget, man. Um, I, I took it offline because I, I, you said you're buying it, so I'll see you tomorrow. Like I remember him texting that. I was literally about to text him and go, "Hey, man, is it cool if I don't, if I don't buy it? I just, <laughs> I just hit on Best Buy." And he wrote me that. I'm like, oh. so I'm a people pleaser. So I fucking met the guy the next day and bought it. I'm like, now nah, I have two. Yeah, um, but it was cool. I ended up giving it to um, a kid that got COVID, and um, he was his family was pretty sick. Nobody died, but it kind of ruined their holiday season sure. and uh, he liked it a lot. So I gave it to him. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so do you, uh, do you still drive around a, a Prius here in, in LA? Yeah. I have a Prius. Yeah. Yeah. I got one uh, in, I don't know, last year, I think in the spring. And um, I noticed something really, really odd. Uh, it seems like, people are aggressive towards Prius drivers. I, I, I never knew this. I had no idea, but it, it seemed like, do you, do you ever experience this? Like people like cutting you off and like trying to get in front of you or, or any of that? Have I experienced people heckling me because I'm driving a Prius? <laughs> well, not heckling, <laughs> but uh, like, like people like driving aggressively, trying to get in front of you uh, or, or any of that, like cutting you off or any of that stuff. Cause it's, it seems like when I, go out a uh, store or whatever. And, and I'm just, just driving normal. I mean, uh, you know, I'm getting my MPG on and, uh, it seems like 
like it's always somebody in, in like a black SUV or something, you know, with the black license plate and just like, just like, you know, cutting me off. So I'm trying to trying to see if it's, if this is like this big widespread problem or is it just, they just hate me. I, yeah, this sounds like more of a, um, this sounds like maybe you, um, you must have banged someone's girl, bro. This sounds personal. I'm going to start driving up with a mask on. Yeah. Merv's over here fucking blaming the Prius. <laughs> Meanwhile, he's like sleeping with every wife in the neighborhood he lives in. You know, <laughs> I thought it was the Prius. It's not, it's, it's definitely not. Damn. No, it's for sure. Cause you're banging your neighbor's wife for sure. So you're, you're a Capricorn, right? Yep. It is now that time to read our guest horoscope in an overly traumatic way. You could stick to the rule book and follow everything to a T, but where's the fun in that? Reinvention is the name of the game, Capricorn, and it requires you to break the rules you have made for yourself. No, the result is not going to be perfect. No, you certainly won't get things right in the first attempt. Once you get into the groove, though... Things will turn around for you in a way they have never have before. And here's your cosmic tip of the day. Capricorn. Perfection is overrated. And that is Skylar Stone's You horoscope. sounded like you had a hemorrhoid that whole time. <laughs> All right, Tyler. So, or <laughs> Tyler. Hey, Skylar. So what are you uh, working on now? I got a movie coming out. This year, depending on when COVID ends, but it's supposed to come out this year called The Retaliators. Uh, it's a horror movie um, with a bunch of really great actors that you recognize from Ozark and Game of Thrones and all sorts of things. Uh, but it's called The Retaliators, written by these new oh, writers nice. named the Gear Brothers. It's uh, one of the best scripts I've ever read, and it's a really original take on a subgenre in horror. Um, that I don't want to give away, but you'll know the subgenre when it starts to take place and you see it. Um, and then I got a stand-up special coming out on um, Hulu and Roku and all that shit uh, called Coming to the Stage uh, with Jamie Kennedy and myself. And then um, what else? Uh, doing Comedy Rocks at Jam in the Van over on the west side of L.A. once a month right now for now. Two shows per night, 7 and 10 p.m. Next one is Saturday, March 13th. Man, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, oh, my podcast is uh, about to start. It's called Skylar of Service. Oh, uh, sweet. I'll subscribe. Please. And then um, I really do. Oh, uh, and I'm recording Ice Age 6 right now um, with uh, all the cast of Ice Age, all those movies. Um, oh, sweet. Yeah. I'm playing the Diego, the uh, Amos Tiger. Yeah, right on. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure kids are going to like that. Oh, they're going to flip out. They're already excited. And uh, all right. So where are you at on social media? At the Skylar Stone on um, Twitter and at the Skylar Stone on Instagram. All right. Cool. Yeah. Everyone, please follow Skylar. He's a very, very funny guy. Keeping it happening here in L.A. All right, Skylar, thank you so much for uh, coming by and uh, actually calling me up on the ramble here. And I, I feel like we got a good ramble going. Absolutely, bro. 
All right, cool, man. Take care of yourself. Have a great freaking day, man. You too, brother. All right, peace out. Later. <laughs>